Hello, happy people. Once again, it is time for a fresh new podcast. And today's podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an affordable, secure, convenient, and professional counseling service. BetterHelp offers clients a monthly subscription for unlimited communication with your licensed professional counselor. BetterHelp allows you to connect with your counselor in a safe and private online or mobile environment. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your your therapist whenever you feel it's necessary. The BetterHelp professional counselors specialize in issues such as stress, anxiety, relationships, depression, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, grief, religion, and so many more topics. This is proactive mental health, not a crisis line. If you're feeling suicidal, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. As a special just for Get Happy With Jay podcast listeners. If you log on to betterhelp.com backslash get happy with Jay, you're going to get a free week of counseling. That's right, a free week of sessions to talk to a BetterHelp professional counselor. Sometimes we deal with some heavy topics and subject matter. And for the next two sessions, as a matter of fact, it's going to get a little heavy, but definitely plenty of uplifting as well. We're going to be talking about grief and uh, the loss of a child in the next two episodes. So if you feel that you recognize, you need, need to talk to someone about some grief or some loss that you've suffered, not necessarily the loss of a child, but any sort of loss, a job loss, a change in your life that's difficult, something that's going on, please go to that website and check out this service. And if by any means you come across a therapist on there that just doesn't vibe with you, you guys just don't gel, that's normal. You can also, as part of this service, switch to a different therapist as well. So check out part one right now of my conversation with Megan Moody. You'll get to know who she is and how we got to know each other. And just remember, take care of yourself. If you need some extra help, then BetterHelp is a great way for you to go. Now let's get into this week's podcast. Okay, it's time to get happy, people. It is Jay here with you. And today we are flipping the script. We're doing something different. I'm not going to be the interviewer. I'm going to be the interviewee. And I have the pleasure of having someone near and I shall say dear to my heart that's here that's going to be with me and interviewing me today. Her name is Megan Muti. She's a member of the supportive care team at the Children's Hospital of Illinois. And I know her being 
transparent, which you guys know I am on this podcast. She was my grief therapist, would you say, Megan? Mm-hmm. Yep. She offers grief and loss support for families who have lost children, who have lost a child in any way, either from stillbirth like myself or children that have been born that are ill or even older children, right, Megan? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. All right. So I am turning you over to the wonderful hands of Megan Moody. And she knows that she is free to ask me absolutely any question that she wants to. So I'm geared up and I'm ready. You are flipping the script on me, too, because for years now, this yes. is not, I have not been in this role. So this is this is super interesting to me. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Me I mean, for this. the last four years plus, I've been on the receiving end <laughs> of questions sitting across from you on our little couch in our little tiny room. Yeah. So now I feel like you're pushing me outside of my comfort zone and I'm going to meet you there. <laughs> right. You there. Just like you've had to meet. Yeah. Can you sort of share? Um, I feel like we've known each other for a long time now. Yeah. Um, and have have really gotten to develop a relationship over time and gotten to know you. Can you share a little bit about sort of the early days of, you know, when we were first working together and mm-hmm. kind of how that felt to you and your experience with that? Well, of course, we met immediately after the loss of my son. You came and visited me briefly in the hospital, which to this day, I sort of rem- I can remember you coming in the room and like setting your business card on the on the desk or whatever by the bed. And of course, I was out of it at that time. But uh, that card stuck with me and I knew I wanted to talk to you. So like pretty much the next day that I got out of the hospital, I called to set up an appointment. You did. I heard from so. you right away. I remember that. Yeah. And I remember you being surprised by that, by hearing from me so quickly. So yeah, I started therapy right away because I just knew that I was going to need help with this. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to manage my feelings. I had experienced a lot of grief and loss in my life. I'd lost my parents. I'd lost my grandmother that raised me. I had even lost one sibling um, prior to my son. So I thought that I had this handle on grief, like, okay, I handled all those deaths okay. And, you know, I thought not that it'd be a piece of cake, but I didn't really have that rough a time before. But I tell you, this was something that was totally different. I mean, I was absolutely floored and I just I knew I couldn't handle it. Can you share to your comfort level? I think one of the things that a lot of families experience in those early days is sort of like, I'm not gonna be able to do this. Yeah, I just I can't navigate this. Sort of how did you feel in those really Mm -hmm. early days when those feelings were around you? I was just at such a loss. I remember coming in. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I just felt horrible. So I totally let myself be in your hands. So if you can remember, probably I did probably didn't open up that much. I I was just literally in shock probably for that first month at least. So I'm sure it took me a while to like open up. And I was scared because I had a fear of maybe it constantly keeping the wound open sort of by talking about it. I didn't know if it would make me feel worse. Yep. I think a lot and of keep it at that. the surface. So yeah, that was like one of my fears, like, okay, is this gonna make me feel worse or or not? You're somebody who over time just has, you know, 
very guarded in the beginning. I, I agree with you. I remember yes. those first few weeks. Normally, you know, in a normal way, you were very guarded. And then slowly over time and mm-hmm. now several years out since you lost Raymond. Yeah. I think that you have turned your grief into something really meaningful for you yes. and, and your and your family. I mean, just you've really done something with it. And you know that I've asked you many times to educate others about your experiences because I feel like you have so much to teach. Mm-hmm. And then you're doing this and uh, <laughs> it's to like next level. Um, but I wondered if you could talk about looking back now, mm-hmm. having some time and all the wisdom that comes with that. Mm-hmm. What do you wish you knew then that you know now about grieving a child? Wow, that's an interesting question. I don't think anything, and I'll explain. The most important thing to me, and I probably even said something like this from the beginning, I just wanted to know that I was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. That was huge for me because I didn't know what type of person was I going to be emotionally or otherwise going through this. And you are different. I mean, you cannot go through a trauma like this and not be affected somewhat permanently from it. So I think I just wanted and needed to know that as horrible as this is right now, that I'm going to be okay. And you made me feel that way. Oh, thanks. You really did. And that was something to hold on to. Like, okay, as bad as this is, I know it's going to get better. So that was that was the main thing to me in the beginning. When did you feel like and this might be hard to like put a, you know, nail down on this. But when did you start to feel like I can see some light? Like I know for myself that I'm Mm -hmm. going to be able to do this? That actually did take a while. I'd say at least the better part of the first year. I mean, I started really feeling like I turned a corner maybe about six months after into it. And yeah, about then. I remember talking to someone with you one time, and it might have even been you that asked me, like, how soon did you feel joy? Were you able to feel joy? And it was about a year, about a year when I could even allow myself to open up enough to feeling good about something. A lot of the families that we work with will say, will I ever feel joy again? Yeah. And then sometimes feel overwhelmed at the idea that it's taking so long. Yeah. So to hear you say it was a year. Yeah. You know, it took a long time. And And even then it was just, you know, brief glimpses at at joy. It wasn't a constant feeling. Yeah. What would you want other mothers to know in particular Mm -hmm. who are earlier in this process? Mm -hmm. What guidance would you give them? The most important thing to me is to get help. It's always amazing to me um, how few people get help after this, because I don't know how how you can cope or, or develop the coping skills and mechanisms without having some guidance in that direction. So I'd say put your fears about therapy aside because, you know, it's 27. Almost 2018, and I think people still have like a taboo thing about therapy. Doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It means that something has happened to you that you need help with. Just like if you broke your leg, you'd go to an orthopedist. You have to look at it the same way. So just put your fears aside and and get the help. I can appreciate how you framed that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I sometimes think people think something you know, magical is happening. It's really just having somebody walk with you. I mean, that's really all it is. Somebody's going to stick with you through it as you walk 
through it. Um, because what I really appreciated, too, when I first came in and I didn't have the words, I couldn't even really articulate what I was feeling. And for you to sit across from me and be able to say, well, you may be feeling this, this or that. And for you to put words to my feelings was oh. so powerful to me. Like, yeah, that's exactly how I'm feeling. I couldn't have. I didn't even know how to say it out loud. But yes, that's what I was feeling. So even to have someone to talk to that like can normalize what you're feeling and and really understand it's like a real aha moment like someone does get this that is how I feel I love that you said normalize though because we say that all the time and, mm-hmm. and there's people just want to know like am I doing does this feel how it's supposed to feel does yeah. this grief feel different than it's supposed to and then just the idea of like no and to a degree sometimes to be able to say it's that bad yeah you know people think it, I can't get through this because is it really that bad it, yeah you know and yes it is for yeah. a lot of families it is that bad it is yeah. I'm telling you I had some dark days like in the beginning it was it's like your brain and I knew that you know the brain does weird things when you experience any kind of a trauma from the other work that I do but I hadn't experienced it and it is weird how your brain like kind of shuts down and I swear to you I couldn't even see color like everything was black and white and gray that's a good analogy it's like I could not I literally with my eyes could not see color for a while yeah and that was like a weird thing just everything was just gray just yeah. sort of flat mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a good description yeah and I just felt like I was in like a deep tunnel or a deep hole that I just couldn't dig my way or climb my way out of in the beginning I wonder you know I know we talked about this a lot and and other families mentioned it as well mm-hmm. do you you know you have a, a big support system you mm-hmm. know in your community you know but what people can do for you yeah. or say to you or shouldn't and I feel like yeah. you've just been you just have a breadth of wisdom on this like that you can yeah. offer people about oh hey, this is I had helped. a lot of shouldn't <laughs> Megan and I to this day can laugh about some of the insane things that people say. And one thing that was really good about therapy that I learned from you, I learned from you how to handle those crazy moments when people say inappropriate things because you helped me to remember it's out of love. They're they're not being jerks or they're not being idiots. It's that they are totally uncomfortable. Excuse me. They don't know what to say. So a lot of times they're saying, you know, some old cliche um, or something something crazy, whatever comes to the forefront of their mind in that moment. And it's not that it's said in malice or anything at all. They love you. They care for you. They want you to feel better. And there were plenty of times that I had to pull that thought up and remember that so that I wouldn't get angry or frustrated at the crazy things that people said. Because some things that you don't want to hear and a lot of things people say like, oh, this happened for a reason. And I'm looking at them like, don't tell me that. You know, I cannot accept that right now. That, that, you know, God in his wisdom knew that this was, you know, and I didn't need to feel like God was a big cosmic bully that said any, meeny, miny, mo and picked me. Every time you know? you've said that, it has rung such a bell when you said God is a big cosmic bully like that. Yeah, that was not helpful to me. Yeah, and, it wasn't. Yeah. And that's coming from someone that you guys know. I'm like hardcore Pentecostal, lots of faith. And I really had a super crisis of faith. I mean, I even have my moments now. I'm so much further now and have grown back into my faith. But it was a struggle. And that really was a lesson to me that, wow, faith really is a choice. 
I had to make the choice to continue to to have faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of families are just right there with you in that. Mm-hmm. And that was such a big part of your life. I mean, you talked about it yeah. very openly, but sort of the crisis of this solid rock that I stand on is wobbling now. And yeah. I don't, what do I do with that? You know? And you helped me to know that it was okay for me to be angry at God. I remember one specific conversation that we had and you were like, you know, his shoulders are big enough to handle it. You yeah. said something something to that effect that he, you know, he knows and he understands he can handle it. And then I was able to purge him a little bit more and say, you know what? I'm angry at you. That piece of grief, I think, is something that goes quiet very easily Yeah, because people um, don't feel justified in saying, mm-hmm. yes, I'm very sad. You know, you can say I'm sad. I'm uh, depressed. I'm anxious. All of these thoughts. But to be angry is yeah. a feeling people don't like. Yeah. It makes them very uncomfortable. Um, or to even question God. Right. Because right. in my faith growing up, it's like, oh, you do not question God. I mean, like, that's a horrible sin. You don't question God. He's just who he is. He does what he does. And, and you don't question it. And I had questions. Yes. And most I still people do. who are grieving do. They yeah. need to know mm-hmm. why. Like why? Yeah. Why did this happen to me? And it was, you know, I'm not saying that my loss is more painful than anyone else. I don't ever want you listeners to think that, that I'm, you know, somehow measuring grief. <clears throat> but excuse me. It was also how it happened for my husband and I, because we'd had a fertility struggle for years and years and had given up and we had come to peaceful terms with not having a child. And then here at 43, it was an absolute surprise miracle. We weren't trying. I mean, it just happened. And for it to happen at that age, and I was like, oh, wow. And my husband was all excited because my husband hadn't told me this, but he had never given up on having a child. I had because I had to for peace of mind, but he had never given up. And he was like, yep, God is faithful in his promises. And I just knew that this was going to happen and blah, blah, blah. So when the loss occurred, you know, it was like a punch in the gut. It was like, God, you you waited until I'm 43. I was at peace in my life. I was okay with not having kids. And you give us this wonderful miracle and turn our lives upside down to take him. Yes. Why? Yes. Yeah. And how do you not ask that? Yeah. I mean, how could we ever ask somebody not to ask that question? Yeah. And then for a lot of people, the entire journey is sort of coming to yeah. putting some sort of structure, meaning mm-hmm. to this huge loss and that's yeah you know you've worked so hard on and that's tough and then the other tough thing is sometimes when these losses occur like with us there's no reason right he you know we had it we made the choice to have an autopsy right away they could find nothing you know at best they can say is it was probably a court issue at some point, but there's nothing definitive. And, you know, for a while while we were waiting for the results, we were thinking, oh, yeah, they're going to come back and they're going to be able to tell us exactly what happened. And and I've said this to you in session, like if I dropped dead, they'd be able to do an autopsy and they'd say, oh, she had an aneurysm or a heart attack or whatever. And so it never crossed my mind that an autopsy would be inconclusive. My husband and I are like, what? So that added insult to injury because like, okay, we don't, we can't even have closure in that, okay, something happened. The, the brain wasn't developed. Something's wrong with his heart. No, everything was in perfect working order. Right. So yeah. And then that right. piece of it also complicated the faith path. Because we're like, okay, this happened, don't know why. And I literally don't know why because there's not even an answer as to what happened. How would it feel to you now 
if we were able to say, you know, how do you think that would have changed your journey if we were able to say, we know exactly what, what happened? happened to Ramey? Yeah. It would have, I think it would have given me peace a lot sooner. Okay. Because to be able to say, okay, there was some abnormality, had he lived, you know, something would have been wrong, possibly to say he would have passed anyway, you know, that would have made more sense to it. Then it would have been like, okay, well, it makes sense. There was something wrong, you know, so you can, you can wrap your mind around that. Mm -hmm. That absolutely. I mean, just listening to you say it. Yeah. 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 But when, yeah, but when you don't have that, it's like, well, I can't even like cling to that and take comfort in that. Okay. Well, he's at peace now and he would have suffered, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, it would have made a big difference. How do you think? I, I think what you're saying is what a lot of families who experienced the type of loss you experienced. Yes. Specifically, we don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. We were not expecting this yeah. outcome. All of those things that just complicate the grief process for a lot of families. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder for you, I mean, I have an idea in my head just from our conversations, but how do you feel like now over time? What did you do? I mean, obviously, you talked a lot. Yeah. But what did you do from a concrete standpoint that you feel like got you to here? You know, started kind of Mm -hmm. putting meaning behind your loss. Allowing myself to feel. That was huge because I think in hindsight now I'm thinking that maybe this loss hit me even harder because with the other losses that I had mentioned, when I look back on those losses of other family members and relatives, I think I repressed a lot. I didn't allow myself to feel because most of the time I was, especially like when my mom died, I'm her oldest child. So in that role, you automatically, whether you want to or not, almost take on the parental role. Mm -hmm. And I had to look out for my younger siblings. And so when you're in that, when you have to be in that nurturer role, you just naturally repress things and you don't allow yourself to feel like when my father died, I didn't even cry. I mean, I felt horrible, but I didn't even cry. And when my mom died, now my father died unexpectedly. My mother was terminally ill. So I felt like I kind of somewhat mourned her in advance almost because when she told me about her diagnosis, I mean, I was just a mess for probably a couple of months. I didn't show her that, but I did cry. But I think I didn't really allow myself to feel in a lot of those other losses. And maybe that kind of compounded Mm -hmm. the grief experience with my son, perhaps. Do you feel like with with the loss of Ramey that you had a choice as to whether or not you felt the feelings or were they just so overwhelming that you didn't have a choice but I to think feel they them? were so overwhelming I didn't have a choice but to okay yeah okay yeah that, that's kind of, that's like mm-hmm. the level of loss of that but it was also helpful in the grief therapy for you to make me aware that even once you start to feel a little bit better and like come out of the fog of the grief a little bit that you're still even to this day four years later you're still going to have these grief bursts yeah. I never had even heard the term grief bursts I didn't know what that no. that concept meant that that is true that you know any little thing can kind of trigger it what's something that has triggered it for you because I don't think most people know yeah about grief first well um sometimes even something like a commercial there was a commercial about a month ago and it's this commercial i can't even remember the product i think it's a a zillow commercial or something for houses and there's a a little boy and a dad and the mom has died i know exactly what you're talking about yeah and that just hit me like a ton of bricks and in that moment i looked at it like if that had been ramey and my husband and that i had been gone and i was just so 
deeply moved by that that I was just sobbing. Yes. So, I mean, it can be something like that. Um, I'm pretty good now with seeing kids. That's but, a journey. Yeah, yeah, that is a journey yeah. because at first I could I could not stand to be around babies. I couldn't stand around to be around kids. But even now, you know, when I see a little boy that's my son's age, that kind of gets to me. Yeah. You get a little kick in the gut a little bit. So just different things. Can you talk about sort of those moments where you see another little boy or uh-huh. how you maybe would have reacted to that three years ago and sort of still feeling the feeling. The feeling doesn't mm-hmm. go away, yeah. but then how you react to that now sort of with a different type of coping strategy? Well, in the beginning, you know, in all honesty, I would get angry. Yeah. And I didn't want to feel that way because, you know, I've always been a my cup is half full type person. I've always been able to be happy for other people. I mean, I was the queen of the perfect gift at everyone else's baby shower. <laughs> So when all of a sudden I found myself almost being a little judgmental, Mm -hmm. like this person is not even going to be a great mom. But see, God, you gave them a kid that they're probably going to abuse and blah, blah. I mean, I would just have like these crazy feelings that were so unlike me in the beginning that I I couldn't have any joy or happiness or like smile like, oh, aren't they precious? Like I normally would have done. I so so appreciate you saying that though because that mm-hmm. what you just said I feel like almost every mom who has experienced a loss feels that to some even degree even if they won't say they it they don't want to say it yeah. they never hear anybody say it and then yeah. to have you say it it's like yep yeah. that's and that was that was huge yeah. I mean even at work you know I work with um trauma victims and you know sometimes I do come across moms that aren't the best moms but you know who am I to say you know they've had a rough journey whatever and normally I would have been able to kind of overlook that you know yeah But yeah, but in the beginning, I'd say that first two years, I'd just be like a roll in my eyes and huffing to myself. I mean, I'd be ticked. Like, okay, God, now explain this one to me. (laughs) Right. This is not fair. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big part of this grief process is you have to somehow come to terms with the fact that it's not fair. And as much as it sucks, as horrible as it is, you still have to move on from it. Yes. And that's hard to do. And I can understand totally how some people get stuck. But I didn't want to be stuck. I didn't want to be that bitter shrew that couldn't experience happiness for other people. And and it was it was really huge for me because when I started to feel myself be this different person and we we talked about this in sessions like I don't want to be this person. Yes, you did. I don't I don't want to be this angry, bitter, just hurt person like I didn't know what to do with that. I'd never felt like that before in my life. That so, discomfort, though, I think yeah. drove you to stay with it. Like I'm, yeah, I'm like keep I cannot, I cannot constantly live in this space. Yes, I just can't. It was important for me to get me back because I liked who I was. Yeah. And I wanted to get me back because not having the me that I knew was another loss. Yes. It felt like a loss on top of my son. And just like having my crisis of faith and being angry at God, that felt like a severed relationship. And therefore, it felt like another loss. Yes. Like I'm losing my relationship with God. That's always been my constant and stable. You know, I'm losing my relationship with myself. I'm turning into a different person that I don't recognize. Layer after layer after layer. Yes. And I wanted me back as much of me as I could get back. So how do you 
feel like now, where are you with that? And you having you back and your joy and your sense of presence about yourself. You know, I can say if I had to put a percentage on it, which I don't like to do, I'd say I'm a good 85 percent there. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That is good compared to where I started at negative 85. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like I'm there. I have I am joyous. And part of this, the reason for this podcast is that I had to to make the decision first to be happy. And that was hard because with it, I felt guilty at the even thought of having joy and having happiness. Like, how dare I? It almost felt like a betrayal of my son. And you helped me through that. That is a really important piece, I think, for you and and other people. That sense of not only will I ever feel joy again, but do I deserve to if my child is not here? Yeah. And that's a tough one to work through. Yeah. And one of the most powerful things that you said to me in the beginning was you have to look at it like this. If the roles were reversed, you and if you had been the one that died, you would want your son and your husband to be happy. You wouldn't want them to be stuck in grief. You wouldn't want them to be depressed or miserable. You would want them to still be able to live their best life. And that was like eye opening for me in that moment. Like, you're right. I would. I wouldn't want them to be sad. I know my son wouldn't want me to be sad either. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. And you you remind me of, of as you're saying things like, oh, I really, I need you to were remember deeper what than you I thought. am saying. You were, <laughs> you're deeper than you thought, Megan. <laughs> I sure hope you've enjoyed part one of my discussion with Megan as she flipped the script on me and interviewed me. I think you're going to find it very informative and hopefully helpful if you haven't been through the type of loss that we're talking about, any kind of loss you've suffered, or if you just want to learn to be a little bit more empathetic to others who have suffered a loss, then this is for you. It would also be great if you would share and help this happy movement to grow. Share it if you like it. We dealt with some heavy stuff today, as I said, and uh, we are pleased to be able to direct you to a counseling service that can help go to betterhelp.com backslash get happy with jay and you're going to get a week of free counseling sessions so hopefully you'll be encouraged to continue with therapy not just for that free week but become a monthly subscriber i'm sure it's going to be a blessing to you and check out this affordable convenient and private therapy don't forget to log on to our website get happy with jay.com you can communicate with us there if you've missed any of our podcast episodes, you can check us out there as well. We're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Comment, review, and once again, share. Until next time, take care.